Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're talking about the role of data and analysis in next week's US presidential election. It is a landmark event for both viewers and newsrooms around the globe, which only comes around every four years. Although it's being pegged as a two-horse race between Trump and Biden, this election will be won and lost somewhere in the granular data and swing states. Join me on Zoom today is Ed Conway, economics editor for Sky News, and he'll be one of the faces you'll see on their screens trying to keep up with all the action and make sense of all the results flooding in on November the 3rd. From augmented reality visualizations to drilling deep into county level data, Ed tells me more about how his team is gearing up for the race to the White House, where his focus will lie, and the advancements they have made from previous elections. This is made possible by collaborating with fellow Comcast station NBC News, giving it never full access to all the data in the decisive battlegrounds. But more than that, Ed offers some tricks of the trade to keep audiences informed and engaged with data and analysis, all of which will be crucial for their coverage over the course of the night. That's all to come, but first, here's something for your diary that you don't want to miss. The journalism.co.uk team is bringing you four days of panel discussions and workshops at our next digital journalism conference, News Rewired. Join us from the 1st of December, where we will look to set you up for success in 2021. Talks include how to lead a disrupted newsroom, leveraging audio to drive subscriptions, overcoming the stigma of mental health, and much, much more. Head over to newsrewired.com for the full agenda and tickets. Book now and take advantage of our early bird offer, saving you £50. Ed, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. How's the working situation for you at the moment? It's, I mean, it's busy. It's really busy at the moment with, uh, you know, with the US elections. And I mean, I don't know there's been a busier time for just news in general, to be honest with you. Huge week, obviously, next week with the US elections. What are you anticipating from it as a, as a news event? How are you preparing? It's always big. And, you know, I think, I think particularly in, in TV news, um, you know, these, these big kind of marquee events, elections are these, these big moments that we kind of invest a lot in, whether it's in the kind of equipment we're trying to use to explain it um, or the amount of coverage we're, we're giving to it. And that's because, you know, these, these are the occasions when a lot of people are tuning in because rightly the fate of the the global economy you know uh what's happening with uh defense everything is is going to be in some way determined by what happens over the course of the next week and so um yeah we we are we are putting a lot into this and you know i've been involved in our elections going you know quite a long way back now and i can't remember any one where we've put quite so much uh into it and I think for obvious reasons, it's like this This is pretty pivotal. There's a big difference between the candidates. You know, the, the, the polling is pointing one way, definitely. But we're pretty aware that last time around, uh, the polls were saying it was going to be kind of, you know, 80, 90 percent chance for of a Clinton victory. And then look what happened over the course of the night. So um, we're putting a lot of focus on on that and trying to kind of give people a sense relatively early on about which way it's going and whether those polls are being borne out or whether it's heading in a different direction because you know that that's something that we last time around we started to get a sniff of um and hopefully we've got some exciting ways of showing that looking forward to hearing more about it just wondering do you feel the weight of the event on the night when everyone's tuning in and you can obviously feel how seismic it is as, as an event 
Yeah, I, actually, yes. I'm relatively inured to, to doing kind of live TV these days, although it's still, it's, it's still a thrill. Um, but there's something about an election that just, perhaps it's that we rehearse it a bit more. So, so a lot of, you know, the time, you know, we will put some thought into, into whether it's, let's say it's a budget and, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a big event, you know, is coming around. We'll put quite a lot of thought into it and work on the tech and, you know, how are we going to kind of show that off? Um, and we'll have some rehearsals on that, but it's never as many as you do when you have an election. I mean, and I remember the, the general election that we did obviously last December, you know, we had a lot of rehearsals for that. And I was feeling, yeah, I was feeling pretty nervous in the run-up, as, as particularly when you're kind of getting to that point that in nine, ten o'clock point, where the show's beginning, you know what you're supposed to do. You go, you've been through so many more dress rehearsals than you would normally do, but it's actually live. I think particularly now as well, okay, because you know we haven't obviously with lockdown, you know, the kind of TV that we've been doing recently hasn't been the same extent of kind of big studio occasions so it's for a lot of us it's the first time we've done something like this for quite a while uh, and trying to do it within covid and social distancing restrictions is another thing to, to be thinking yeah. of i mean you, you touched there on how many elections you've covered in the past with sky news what have you kind of learned over the years that helps with data and analysis covering it both visually and informatively there's something that i that I'd always say about data, which is that until you kind of really understand it yourself, so until you've, you've pretty much gone into the actual spreadsheets and looked at the numbers and seen how they stack up and understood, you know, how someone's getting like a model saying 90%, 80% chance of, of X winning. I think until you've kind of been into it, I think people can tell whether you do or don't understand it. And I think, you know, once you, once you spend a bit of time looking at the numbers, once you get properly familiar with it, then there's a level of kind of communication that you can give that is more straightforward. So, so I always spend quite a lot of time before elections, really, you know, with my head in the spreadsheets. And that's kind of what I'm doing, like, at the moment, I'm deep in various different spreadsheets. And with the, with the US, you know, it's, it's even more of a feast of data than, you know, for a UK election. Uh, in some ways, it's more complicated. In some ways, it's more simple. It's, you know, the simple thing is, is that, Unlike in a UK election where you have, you know, not just two parties. I mean, it's more two parties these days than, than it was kind of two or three elections ago. But in the UK, you've got, you know, three party system. You know, you had UKIP for a while, Brexit party. In the US, it is somewhat more of a kind of two party system, particularly this election. It, third parties are slightly less influential than last time around. So in some ways it's more simple, but in other ways you have all of these kind of individual battles. And, you know, the US is a far bigger country than uh, in the UK. Um, we will get this enormous amount of kind of county level data that actually we didn't have last time around. So last time we had with state level data and then we were trying to get a sense from that state level data about what was happening in each state. This time we can go drill down into county level data. You know, let's say there's a county called Sumter County in Florida. It's, it's got the most elderly voters in the US. If we take an early look at that, and they count pretty quickly in Florida, so if we take an early look at that, that gives us a pretty good sense of what's going on with the elderly bloater in Florida. But of course, that's only part of it. So then we can look at a different county, like kind of Miami-Dade, so Miami, and see what's happening with urban voters, and are they showing up in a way that they didn't uh, for Hillary Clinton, for, for Joe Biden? So there's there's quite an interesting like forensic little investigation that we're going to be able to do and, and and this goes for all of those swing you know battleground states 
And I think what excites me about elections in general is that, you know, this is the ultimate live data event. And what my job is, is just to try to, to bring the audience into that data and say, well, look, here's what we're seeing from this data. Here's the way it's looking. Still too early to tell, but, you know, it's an emerging thing. And usually with data, it's not kind of emergent in that way. It doesn't evolve over the course of, you know, a five, six, seven, you know, eight, nine, ten hour show. It's static. Whereas here we have something that's always changing. And so it is the ultimate kind of data event. And I think what we've always tried to do at Sky, you know, other networks will have their big kind of, you know, whatever VR environments and so on. And there's lots of razzmatazz about them. I hope we've got some razzmatazz now. We can talk about our various razzmatazzy things in, in a moment. But what we also kind of, I think, speci really specialise in is, is digging into the data. And that's what we did with the election, the UK, the general election last time around. We had demographic data, which we showed about how different seats were stacking up against each other. And was it, go you know, was it just in, in seats that were kind of um, more deprived areas that were kind of going for the Conservative Party? And we saw the, how the red wall was falling. I hope we can do a similar thing uh, in the US this time around. I mean, we've got more tools than we've ever had before, so it's quite exciting. Yeah, I remember the visualisation that you used for the UK election last time around. Um, it was like a blank map of the UK divided up with each of the constituencies. Um, and as the results were coming in, you'd change the colour from white to the colour of the newly elected MP in that constituency. By the way, I only learnt... So, so we had this... It was very exciting thing where you had the constituency map this is for the general election last time around. but we had the constituency map and then basically each of those constituencies i could make them fly across the screen and then they would turn into a kind of scatter chart and basically it would just show you how things stacked up when it came to deprivation or when it came to earnings or when it came to various other kind of you know brexit vote things like that uh, and I was only later told, actually, after I'd done it, that apparently that's called a bee swarm graphic. It does look a bit like a hive, doesn't it? Now I think about it. I think yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, that's a good name for it. And they're like, yeah, that's what it's called. I'm dying to know about the razzmatazz, Ed. What can you tell me about what you have planned next week? In a sense, there's two things. Okay, we, we've got that granular picture. So let's say the results are coming in and, you know, we don't really know which way Pennsylvania is going and Pennsylvania is going to be absolutely crucial as it was last time around. On, on most models, that your, your kind of pivotal moment, whoever's winning Pennsylvania is, looks, looks like they potentially have it. We will be able to drill into different counties of Pennsylvania and say, listen, although the counting is taking quite a long time, which it does in Pennsylvania, here's how it looks in the kind of suburbs of Philadelphia and, you know, suburban, the suburban women vote is really important this time around for both, for both Trump and Biden. Uh, here's how it looks in places like kind of Erie County, which is uh, more of a kind of post-industrial area that used to be very Democrat. And that's the kind of you know, working class voter who didn't, who came, who went, came out for Trump last time. So that's the kind of, you know, into the weeds. And what's exciting about that, like I say, is, is not just, you know, me doing it. It's me taking the viewer in and saying, well, here's our, here's our little investigation. It's a bit of a mystery and we're going to try and solve it. And then once we start to get a sense of where the electoral college votes are coming, because of course it's all about the electoral college, Hillary Clinton won last time around, you know, actually the polls weren't that wrong, but she won the popular vote. She didn't win the electoral college and Trump won it in the right places. But so once we have those numbers on the electoral college, we have this very exciting virtual White House and augmented reality um, virtual White House, which is kind of next to where I stand in 
our studio. Sadly, I'm you know not not in the US, but it doesn't matter these days because you can have an augmented reality White House, which is it's really cool. It's like genuinely looks so realistic we have like different settings for it so if it's nighttime we can have the white house at night if it's raining we can have it in the rain it's a winning line animation basically similar to what we did for downing street uh, in the general election but we've got the winning line kind of running up the lawn to the white house towards the building and that's our kind of race to 270 and i think you know that will give you the big picture of just you know where does this stand right now and I'm only one part of a very big team, and Dermot Manhattan is is, is you know going to be the, the the main maestro, and he will be kind of talking to various of our correspondents and presenters who are going to be you know in the U.S. in various different parts, whether it's the Republican count or in, in key critical states. But then he'll come to me, and sometimes it'll be for the big picture. So where are we on that race to 270? Sometimes it will be for the the small picture, which is you know what are you gleaning from these different states. And what's quite exciting about the tools that we have. So the AR thing is a big studio style thing where it is, you know, we have these cameras, including virtual cameras. I've never even kind of understood about this, as well as that um, on the screen itself. So we've got this big screen, which we've built specially for this. Um, I am actually able to control using an iPad what comes up there. So what are we going to be showing next? You know, and are we going to try and show to dig into county level data? Are we going to look at demographics? Are we going to try and do a kind of like a scenario? So let's see where we are now. How many more states would it take for Donald Trump to, to get to 270? So I can control all of that, you know, on my iPad. And that's quite different again to what you'll see in most other places, which is a kind of a more sequential scripted thing. None of my sequences are scripted, and I'm hoping that's not too obvious on the night. Um, they'll be more spontaneous. And, you know, if Dermot has a question about, you know, about Wisconsin, then hopefully I can show the data on Wisconsin pretty quickly and, and react to that. And if something comes in, you know, I could be doing one of my sequences and suddenly um, one of the states, you know, Nevada's declared, you know, we can respond to that. I have so many questions that I'm not sure which one to pick from right now, Ed. But, um... I want to I want to touch on the on the fact that you've got this on your iPad and you can control what goes up on the screen. Um, just how much data have you got there to work with? Is it quite overwhelming? How do you keep it quite manageable for you? Well, it's loads. I mean, so so there is a whole data set which we have, and partly you know thanks to our colleagues at NBC, we have I think more data than we've ever had before in terms of the stuff that we can see and also the stuff that we then can put up on the screen. And to some extent, before I come on. I will, together with kind of, you know, producers and there's an amazing team here, we'll kind of think about the kinds of things we want to show this time around, just because the, the massive stuff we have in the database is, is so overwhelming. But broadly speaking, the last election we did is as nothing compared with this. This time we really have the run of pretty much, whether it comes to the exit poll, and actually we should talk about the exit poll because that is a really interesting area where it's quite different to other areas. But, but whether it comes to the exit poll, and whether it comes to um, county level data, like I say, and historic county level data. So that's the key thing. So let's let's take kind of a place like Erie County. I mentioned it a moment ago, you know, that's on the banks of Lake Erie. Uh, that's Pennsylvania. Went for Trump last time around. It's been trending Republican, but traditionally Democrat. What we can actually do is show you how it's become more Republican. And the interesting thing this time around is whether Biden kind of turns that around or not. And we can actually bring up 
not just the kind of you know last few elections but we, we're going to be creating live graphics but i should say about the exit poll um so we're used to, you know in this country to dealing with exit polls that basically just tell you who, who the winner's going to be and actually the uk exit poll is amazing at doing that it, it used to be that when there were exit polls it wasn't just about the result people were also asked why they were voting for a particular candidate you know a bit about their background and what you would be able to do from that is to get a sense of what was it that drove this election result okay then we threw that out in the uk because we got the polling so wrong back in the in, in the 90s um and nowadays everything is just focused on the result in the us it's slightly more like the system we used to have and so everyone you know we there's this mass of data that comes in um when that when people are asked about who they're voting for uh, also their background is is kind of uh, asked about so you know whether whether it's you know they're women voters whether they're male voters uh, what their ethnic background is what their age um where they're from and what you're getting through that exit poll as a result uh, is a sense of who is currently turning up for who and in the uk we don't tend to get that until kind of a few weeks or months later when the british electoral survey kind of does its work in the us you get that kind of on the night and so on the night i mentioned you know suburban women and you know you've probably seen donald trump talking quite a lot recently about suburban housewives so i want suburban housewives to turn up for me you know we'll have a really early sense as to whether women voters are coming out for trump or for, for biden and more and more than previous times and that's interesting as well so all of those data points give us i think a pretty clear early sniff of whether the polling that we're seeing is actually being borne out because i think we all remember from last time around you know hillary clinton being given 90% probability of winning and then very quickly over the course of the first few hours of counting it was clear that that was just dramatically wrong we will be able to do the same thing this time around but hopefully have a few more data points to show whether the polls are right or wrong what i take from this ed is that it's obvious there's a a substantial level of sophistication here and it's come very far in in recent elections but all of that is kind of lost without very cogent news analysis and news judgment do you think that's quite fair or not yeah no i think that's right i, I think i think the tools tools are what they are they're just tools and in, in the end we are just trying to tell a story we're trying to explain what's going on there on the ground and on an election night the reason why there is more data is just because it is such a big story um and we need to get our heads around it very quickly but unless we can take that data make our own judgments about it as to you know which way is it pointing and then most importantly or equally importantly explain it and explain it in a way that isn't patronizing explain it in a way that means that hopefully our viewers feel like they're involved in this detective work about what's going on unless we can do that then it's all for nothing you know and if our graphics if our data if the way we're explaining it is overly you know complicated if it involves too many conceits if it's fiddly you know i think we're losing then and that's why you know we try not to go to gimmicky i mean it's very tempting in these situations to go gimmicky and you know uh, all of that but in this case we really just want to try and cut through all of that and actually you know give people a sense that they are part of this like i say this this moment of detective work where we haven't yet got the official result but we are starting to get a sniff of what's going on and boy is it exciting and 
just look at the reaction we're seeing from markets, just look at the reaction we're seeing from the candidates and from their, uh, their respective uh, kind of party celebrations. That, that's a, such an exciting moment, especially mm. when it's the US election, I think, because, you know, we're, we're not in the US, um, but everyone is, is affected by whoever's going to be the next president. This is, this is an enormous moment, the biggest moment for democracy uh, that we have, you know, in a given four year period. So um, it is exciting. Yeah, your augmented reality race to the finish line is a good example of that. It's, it's, it's a simple concept, but it's visually engaging at the same time. It's something audiences can understand immediately what that represents. And I think that's a great example of what you're, what you're saying. My kind of final question to you, Ed, is, you know, it's one thing to do an analysis piece in the run up to an event. It's perhaps another to do it on the night. Do you have any tricks of the trade that you can share on how to do data analysis in the moment? Like I say, I think the best thing you can do as a as a journalist when you're looking at data, and by the way, I, I slightly rail against this idea of kind of data journalism. I'm like data journalism is a kind of thing. I think all, all of us journalists should to some extent be data journalists because um, data is just another form of, of source material, isn't it? You know, it's another way of trying to understand an issue. And I think you can bring data to pretty much any any story. My rule is just until you actually understand how the pieces fit together, until you actually understand, you know, you, you tear apart someone else's model or you dig through the spreadsheet and look at county level data. It's not just about hearing that a certain county has, has particular demographics. It's about looking at those demographics and understanding how they've changed. It's about seeing them in numerical terms. Until you've spent a while living in the spreadsheets, um, it is quite difficult to, to be there either on set or, you know, on the page and explain it simply. And in the end, that's all we need to do is to explain this stuff simply. And that for my part, different people come at it from different ways. I tend to want to reverse engineer stuff. So I want, you know, I'll see someone making an interesting point about some data and then I will go into the spreadsheet and see if I can work, work that out myself. And if I can't, then I might have some questions. And if I can, then, then oh, I understand how the pieces fit together. That's the main principle. And I, you know, I know that everyone who's a journalist will have that same instinct as well. Going back to prime and material is genuinely exciting because that's where you start to find out the, the interesting stories. But it's also by understanding, by having a kind of genuine feeling for what's in that primary source material, you can actually tell the story in a more visceral way yourself. And you can be sincere about it and you can be simple about it. And frankly, my entire job is taking, trying to take stuff that seems complex and making it simple. And actually, a lot of this stuff really isn't complex, but some you know, people might like to make it seem complex. In reality, it is quite straightforward. Um, but it's only straightforward once you've just spent a bit of time living with, with the data. And that's what we're doing kind of now. We're trying to just reside in these spreadsheets and these data banks and think about what's going to happen on the night so that hopefully we will have that sincerity and the clarity about what's actually happening. That's the idea. I, you know, whether it works or not, everyone else will have to judge on, on the night and into the morning. Uh, I could be here all day talking to you about this, Ed, but I understand you've got rehearsals to go to. Thank you. No, I mean, it's, it's, we're right in the middle of it all and we're getting there and it's exciting. You look palpably excited, which is, which is refreshing and, and interesting. And anyway, it's been a huge pleasure speaking to you about this, Ed. Thank you so much for your time and insights and uh, all the best next week, okay? You too. Thanks, Jake. I must talk to you. Great to speak to Ed there and I look forward to seeing Sky News' augmented reality White House next week. 
But my takeaway from today really is, as Ed says, that tools are just tools. They can be wonderful, of course, and be a great way to simplify complex data and make the story stand out. But you need a journalist there to analyse and contextualise what the data is saying. And for the US election next week, two examples where that is really going to be tested are the key battleground states and the exit polls. If you like what you heard today, you can find all our other podcast episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. If you'd like to feature on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.